0: It's Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. You're listening to A Last Rant on Video Games, a podcast where I talk about a video game I like for 15 to 20 minutes. This episode is called Keep em Guessing, and it's about tuning Hello, and welcome to a little experiment I've been wanting to try for a while. So, those of you who have been following last time on video games for a while might remember that I used to write articles somewhat regularly, just kind of exploring my thoughts on video games, just kind of generally. The goal was never really to give the game a rating or something, but kind of to examine the medium a little bit through the lens of a particular game, or just kind of talk about why a game was awesome. I called it Last Rant on Video Games, partly as a riff on Last Time on Video Games, although not a very strong one, and also because I consider them friendly rants. I haven't written an essay on a game in almost a decade. I actually went and looked up the last time I did one. It was on December 24th of 2015, and it was about Splatoon. On, I have no idea what possessed me to publish it, That particular day, but that's the last time I felt interested enough in a game to bother to write about it, and I'm not even sure I was particularly interested in writing about Splatoon, other than it was really fun. I think the closest I had been to being excited about a game was an experience I had in Breath of the Wild, where Alex and I unexpectedly countered Farosh emerging from one of the springs in the swamp. If you've played Breath of the Wild, you'll probably know which one I'm talking about. We hadn't ever seen a dragon in the game before, and being five feet away from one with my virtual face was, in a literal sense, amazing. The music, the presence of danger, the general feeling of insignificance when faced with such a massive being. This was the first time I had felt awe in my real human life in quite a while. Obviously, that falls off a bit after you start farming dragons for their tasty, tasty scales, but it was still something I remember quite vividly. I mention this to illustrate how much impact a game has had on me if, these days, I feel compelled to pick up my keys. I mean, it's certainly not a pen. Partially, I find myself with a lot more energy than I have for a long time, but I think I've also rediscovered my love of games, and today's game was the first one to grab me so strongly in a while. To put it bluntly, Tunic, for me, is an absolute masterpiece. That's a strong statement, especially for me, and I want to spend a while talking about why that is. It's not without flaws, but it proved to be a device fine-tuned to destroy my ability to think about anything else for about a month. So, warning! light spoilers ahead let's dive in tunic begins twice for me once is on the title screen an understated affair reminiscent of an old jrpg a 3d render of a big manatech looking sword spins slowly to the left of the menu the music evokes contemplation and hints at the broader mysteries that the game presents, and never really answers. It's probably not as important as I'm making it out to be, but just sitting here for 5-10 to 10 seconds every time I start the game always puts me in a mood, and it's one thing that this game excels at. The second time the game begins only happens once. Kinda, it's complicated. You get a quick pan of some of the wild landscape you're about to explore, and center on a cute, betunic fox, apparently asleep on a beach. They wake up, and there you go. That's basically all the direction you're gonna get. Again, kinda, it's still complicated. Once again, the music kicks in and does some heavy lifting. It's light and airy, but not energetic it's inviting you on a meander and meander you shall you start with literally nothing and are funneled briefly in one direction there is an old cave with a treasure chest and it's hauntingly familiar I could ramble for quite a while about how much inspiration this game took from the first three Zelda games. In fact, in another version of this, I did. But I feel like that sidetracks us from the point. Suffice to say, the world feels so much like the original, until suddenly it doesn't, and it's a link to the past. And the swordplay feels way more like the second than almost any other Zelda game. Of course, there's a parry now, because Dark Souls exists. You spend quite a while just wandering this wild landscape. This game may not look like much, but it looks gorgeous? I'm not sure if that makes any sense. The art style's fairly minimalistic. But everything has a certain depth a richness that makes it feel compelling to look at and it's hard not to wonder about all the strange artifacts on the periphery but mostly you're lost eventually you find pieces of an instruction booklet which helps guide you toward understanding the game first on a literal level then on a meta level and Then on a meta meta level. Yes, the instruction booklet is just scattered around. It's just a battered old NES-style collection of pages. But every time you pick one up, you unlock a wealth of precious knowledge. Sometimes it's as simple as, did you know you can do a dodge roll attack? Because again, Dark Souls, there's a dodge roll and an attack out of it. Sometimes it's a map with your little fox painted onto the page in the appropriate position. Sometimes it's. confusing? The beauty of how this game dispenses knowledge is, I think, twofold. First, nearly all the text in the game is in a language you can't read technically it's a special phonetic alphabet for english but that's not very important and we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves you're left wondering what certain golden words mean and rely on your instincts as a gamer to decipher the pictures and vague gesticulating the pages arrows are attempting. even when you get new information it's not immediately clear what it means i had several experiences of being excited to pick up a new page only to Find it offered nothing new. I was always proven wrong. The second thing that makes the whole experience amazing is that the trickle of sweet knowledge juice is agonizingly slow. That doesn't sound great, but I promise it is. You're so driven to collect those pages in hopes that they might illuminate something the ruined statues the goddess apparent trapped in a ghost dimension the hints at a ruined civilization then they don't but every single page leaves you with some answers often to questions you didn't know you had this slow pacing is what brought me back every time to this game and what nearly drove me down an endless rabbit hole every single play session i learned something new about how the game works that fundamentally reshaped my understanding of what it was about for me this was the crux of what made this game so great it constantly Recontextualizes everything you know about the game, and eventually, you're evaluating every new symbol or object for hidden meaning. And you're rewarded for it. Tunic is not an easy game, but not for the reasons you might think. Sure, the combat is challenging, and the shield bash parry timing is a little tricky. The real reason it's hard is because it gives you so little direction. I spent hours without a map and only a vague understanding that it might be one of those types of games that wants you to think laterally about how to approach it, which I enjoy. So for the first hour, maybe almost two, I wandered around without a sword. I found a stick early on, so I wasn't defenseless against the increasingly difficult enemies. The problem came from the fact that there were little shrubs that you have to cut down with a sword to advance. Because I was still thinking it to be one of those games, I came up with a solution. Lead enemies with swords into the bushes and let them clear a path for me. I felt so damned clever. And I managed to get a fair amount of healthful loot in the form of firecrackers, which function like grenades in most games. I eventually used these to breeze past the game's first boss, which inevitably became a regular enemy. It felt like a singular experience to me. It probably wasn't, but I think it speaks to the game's depth that I could get so far off the intended path. I did eventually need a sword. It turned out I had been missing a fairly obvious path blocked by cuttable but walkable grass. I eventually realized that the statues of the goddess abounded and that I could recover my health by resting there and the enemies because again dark souls. I wended my way through the forest, a ruined beach, and some dungeons. I overcame satisfying trials. I slowly started to glean the meaning of the manual. Eventually, I freed the goddess. Spoilers? What is interesting about this game is not its narrative, but its meta-narrative. The instruction manual is part of the world, but should it be? Eventually you learn the secrets of the Holy Cross, or at least some imitations of it. Then the frequency illusion kicks in and you start seeing it everywhere. Was it really an illusion though? It was everywhere to begin with. I won't elaborate on what the Holy Cross is here because that verges into deeper spoilers, but it becomes arguably the biggest way to reevaluate the whole world you've encountered. Near the same page that teaches you about that, you, much later, may find a page that hints at twenty hidden things. Once you find one, you start to realize that the manual more or less tells you where to look for the others. Then you're hunting those down because you weren't satisfied with killing the goddess. Yeah, you do that. You also come to terms with lost souls, die at least once. Encounter a truly horrifying spirit and bone fox puppet merchant, punch a bird, and destroy the empty shells the goddess left behind. Look, I can't speak highly enough about how many layers this game has and how expertly it reveals them. I didn't even touch on the recently discovered second language of the game that's hidden in its various sounds, musical and otherwise. That's where I tapped out, still curious but unwilling to defeat that particular colossus. The gameplay oscillates between zealous exploration tempered by fear of an ambush, followed by frenetic combat due to that ambush. It gets easier over time, but as mentioned, the challenge of the game is figuring out how to use the information you've been given more than it is about the actual mechanics of the gameplay. The music constantly sets pitch-perfect tones, the environment is vast and inscrutable, and your head will spin with nigh eldritch revelations. If puzzling over cryptic info and feeling like an absolute badass when you put it together sounds like a fun time to you, then this is my appeal. Maybe even my plea. Go play Tunic. It's certainly not for everyone, but it was definitely for me, and maybe it will be for you. thanks for listening. This was a fun project for me, and I might be doing another one again soon, so if you enjoyed it, you have that to look forward to, and if you didn't, you have that to fear with all the terror your mortal soul can muster.